KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. The views expressed in today's episode are solely those of who express them, and they do not represent the views of Port of Entry or KPBS. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to Port of Entry. Hola, friends. As we were producing our first two episodes of the season, the fight for marriage equality in Baja, some very compelling points did not make it into the final cuts. Not wanting to have those points lost into the nether realm of unaired segments, we thought it would be good food for thought to touch on those points by, say, hosting a conversation between Merichel and Alejandro, our two protagonists of the story for the fight for marriage equality. Curious fact, they have never met before. Well, we did that. Natalia and our producer Julio sat down with Alejandro and Merichel in a video conversation about the state and new frontier of queer rights in Baja. We hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we did. Take it away, Julio. Okay, guys, thank you very much. Folks, anybody who's just tuning in, we are here filming, recording a special bonus episode. These two features have not met each other, but we're part of the same story, the fight for marriage equality. We have Alejandro Sanchez, directly from, what is it, New Haven? New no, Haven. New Haven, Connecticut. And we have Merichel, directly from Tijuana. Hello. Hello. All right. So thank you so much, folks, for joining us. I think this is something that was both in our mind, in the minds of our team. Just we're very curious about all the things that didn't make into the cut. But we thought it would be interesting just to engage each other in a conversation about certain topics that were part of the conversations that we had during the interviews, but just didn't make it to the cut. So, why don't we start by giving some brief introductions to yourselves and what you do, and then we'll start with the questions. Uh, take it away, Alejandro. I'll start. Hi, KBBS listeners. Hi, Julio, Natalie, Merichel, Adrián. I'm Alejandro Sanchez. I use he, him pronouns, he, him, el pronouns. I am a current master's student, master's in public policy student at Yale University. Um, not so long ago, I was based out of San Diego, Tijuana, where I was a policy advisor by day and an LGBTQ rights activist by night. Uh, I was part of a project that got to legalize same-sex marriage, advocating from a youth perspective, advancing not just same-sex marriage, but also fighting for other equally important rights, such as trans identity rights for trans people to easily uh, change their gender markers or their names on their birth certificates and state-issued IDs, and also for the banning of conversion therapy, which happened after same-sex marriage was approved. And thankfully, weren't that big of an issues to to be approved. And I'm very honored to meet Medichel, who I know has been a part of this. And I l- learned through her interview how long her fight had been, you know, what hurdles she had had to go through, the people in government that she met, just a very different sort of the very different sort of challenges that I had to face. And all I did was literally just go on Instagram and start designing pretty things, but she was actually in the battlegrounds fighting for these things when we had no one in our side. So I'm very, very proud to, to join join her and join you all today. And with that said, let's pass the mic to Merichel. Merichel, can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Merichel Calderón Vargas. I was born in Barcelona, Spain. 
And I lived all my life in Tijuana since I was three months old. So I consider myself a Chicana, but with like, with a TX, like in Catalan, because it's part of my culture, you know, like Spanish culture, Mexican, and also American, because I grew up in Tijuana. I learned English watching, you know, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and Sesame Street and <laughs> Obviously, KPBS, a root for KPBS. <laughs> Yay. So, and then I I became a lawyer and a human rights activist since I was like 14 years old when I worked on migration issues. And and I was a, an abogada, you know, a human rights defender since even before I was a lawyer. So as I grew up, I, I was very critic and an and analytic in, in politics and you know in a in Baja California it's better a very conservative state and you know in the in a law fa faculty and was most of the people are very right-winged so being a diverse fat uh you know uh socialist woman it was hard to go through through law school here in Baja California So every discriminations and violence that I got against me, I used this. I use this as fuel to to react in a positive way that can impact society and not only just you know keep the the, the anger of the acts of discrimination, but do something with it. And at the time, I I live with my partner Nancy Bonilla, which we have been fighting for. Human rights for women, LGBTQ and plus a community, because we got in front of issues that were like when I was in the hospital, I needed Nancy to bring us a bring me a towel or whatever we need in a public hospital because we don't get you know all the accessories you get not even in a motel they give you. I've been in motels, yes. So. And I think that's part of what I am. I also try to convert the the, the discrimination in comedy. And I also I give up um, some shows of stand-up or informative comedy, as I name it. And that's it. All right. Thank nice. you very much, thank Michelle. You. Alejandro, thank you very much for the introduction. Let's take it away with the questions. All right. So this, I was, we were wondering what new challenges is faced by the LGBT community in Baja. What's the next steps? What are, where are the new frontiers? Where are the new fights being taken? So why don't we start with Alejandro? You can answer this question and then have Marichelle add something as well. So what are the new challenges for the LGBT community in Baja California, in Mexico, that you see? I think the from what we've fought for and on what front we've been at, which has been the activist political side of things. I think we've had many advancements with the people that are in government, none of which have been openly queer. We've worked with straight allies in the state legislature um, across you know, the state government, municipal governments too, but we've never really gotten a chance to work with someone who openly identifies as LGBTQ. And and I, coming from San Diego and Tijuana and, and seeing how in San Diego it's so normalized that 
We have office holders who are proudly out LGBTQ leaders. The mayor of San Diego, Todd Gloria, is a great gay leader. The state senator who represents San Diego's main district, Tony Atkins, is a president of California's state senate and is the first lesbian woman to do that. In the state assembly and city council, just all across San Diego County, we see so many people queer people who are public office holders, and we don't see that in Baja California. So I'm hoping that with the changes we've made in law, all of us that that we've, you know, try to bring queer issues to the forefront, we can see in the future, openly queer elected officials, an openly queer mayor, an openly queer diputado, diputada, diputade, who can bring our community's issues to the forefront and actually fight for them where the decisions are being made, where the budgets are being assigned. Because otherwise, we will always be at, I don't want to say at the mercy, but we will always be depending on sort of charity, which sounds horrible, but the charity of straight people who will be, you know, who who might or might not be okay with us um, being in those spaces. I think that from a political perspective and from a more focalized what legislation do we have still pending, I think, first and foremost, World AIDS Day is coming up this Friday. I think we as a state that has so many migrants coming in and we have such a large sex worker population too, we haven't really tackled the issues that come with people with living with HIV and AIDS because of taboo. We simply don't want to talk about it. We we know that we have a very high proportion of people living with HIV and AIDS, especially people living on the streets with, with, with this condition that many of them are queer. And just out of stigma, we haven't really looked into that issue. So I think it's very important that you know, across the federal, state, local level, we start paying attention, the due attention that these people have and treatment and prevention and, you know, making sure that that these people are well, well tended to and that we can let go of the discrimination and stigma that, as Medichel mentioned, stems from conservative governments from the past that hopefully we've done away with. With other queer issues, I think the next forefront will probably also be adoptions from same-sex couples that currently the way it's set up, you pretty much are at the mercy of the state government, the DIF estatal, whether or not they will allow a same-sex couple to adopt a child. There's no law that actually prohibits it from happening, but it's very discretionary. And that can't be the case. We can't have, you know, maybe an administration will allow you to adopt a same-sex couple, but maybe the next one won't. We really need to put that into law and make sure that we're not discriminating same-sex couples who want to adopt children uh, in Baja California. Because, I mean, it's ridiculous how how many homeless, well, well, yeah, homeless kids are in our orphanages. And simply because of stigma, same-sex couples who want to have kids, who want to adopt children, are, aren't allowed to because, you know, homophobia. So I think those two will probably be my main challenges, well, three main challenges um, for so, the future. So just having more representation, the public health issues, and mm-hmm. adoption, you see, as the, these new battlegrounds. Merichel, any other battlegrounds or any other points of, of, say, struggle where you see the new frontiers for queer folks in Baja? Sure. Actually, the thing today is very caliente. Because uh, the Electoral Institute of Baja California is publishing the um, criterios, lineamientos, ¿cómo se dice Alejandro? Guidelines. Guidelines. Oh, yes. Thank you. The guidelines for the the 
if queer people or LGTB people could have an affirmative action to go for Congress, that the according to the guidelines, the the, the this should be this year on the two twenty four elections, it should be one space for LGTB people, and one space for people with disabilities. You know, as a quota, an affirmative action. So they they are voting that it it should be one space for diversity or LGTB people and one space for people with disability, or one space, not and one space. So we are facing that one one sector will be misrepresented, and that also the affirmative actions do not reach on these guidelines the the criteria for LGTB people to be on city councils, the, the regidurias, as we call it in Mexico. So the we are supposed to living in a, a equality and democracy, but it's it's fake because in the facts, we cannot even get to Congress if not because of an affirmative action. And what happens is that people here say that they identify themselves as queer, And and I I got phone calls people calling people people calling me telling that they were in jail for a few months and the the one guy had oral sex from other guy and then now he's bisexual and then he I should vote for him you know this this ridiculous arguments and so vulgar that that's why we are organizing a group of LGTB people in front of the electoral institute so that we can get the respect in the in the public spaces that we need okay so you you're saying that there's uh folks who are known to be straight and they just take over the space of designated for queer folks and be able to exactly okay huh interesting and um what then are are say the next steps so you're saying codifying the uh, those spaces into uh, that just are not i guess drawn out only to either a disabled somebody who's uh disabled or somebody who's queer but to have one for each correct is that what you're saying yes okay huh all right alejandro anything you want to chime in real quick for move to the next question yeah i i agree with medichel more broadly i You know, over the past few months, we've had major discussions, not just in Baja California, but all across Mexico about why the the democratic institutions that we have matter. We've heard discussions coming from all the way up from the president down to like the local level talking about we need to defund the INE. The INE is evil, it's corrupt, and it is destroying Mexico because we have nine consejeros, nine counselors who somehow are royalty in Mexico. Therefore, let's do away with it and let's do our own morenified version of this body, which would never even have these discussions. They would never even think of like, oh, let's open up our spaces to people who, you know, look like us, who are disabled, who are indigenous, because they're trying to do a self-serving in, in institution that, um, will only perpetuate them in power. So I think it, it it serves as a reminder to us queer people that we've always had to fight those in power and this is now happening again. Um, 
You know, if <laughs> if we wait for a Morena fight and electoral institute, chances are all the advances we've made with the current INE, with you know its pros and cons. I'm not saying it's perfect and that it shouldn't be reformed. It should. However, you know, it's it's the same history we've always seen as as LGBTQ people trying to get power. Okay, let's move on to the next question then. So, what are we seeing happening in the U.S. and that it's or maybe abroad? That it's making it w- its way to say the de- the dominion of LGBTQ plus issues from the U.S. or maybe Europe into Mexico, but specifically U.S. and 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 Baja. Marichel, you want to start off? So, what's happening in the U.S. that's coming over into say Tijuana, Baja California? Sure. When I went to the United States and with the International Visitor Leadership Program in the Obama administration. We got to meet a lot of activists, uh, LGBT from all parts of the world, from Africa, from, you know, every, every continent that you can imagine, there were people there. So these people from from Nigeria were saying that they, even coming out of the closet, it would mean, you know, death for them. And so in some places here in Baja California, people are in that situation because I already... Um, talked about how conservative our state is. So uh, we can just ponder, you know, talking about querying the census, you know, knowing how many people we are so we can get our representatives, our human rights, health rights, and not not only just um, fixating in, you know, in equal marriage, in gay marriage or equal marriage or what whatnot, and the fact of adoption. You know, we we can fight for affirmative actions in education and other spaces that I think we have only managed to get the copy the rights from the United States to Baja California to, you know, barely survive, not to really get acknowledged as a population that vote and then pay taxes and, and whatever. So, yeah, that's what I think. Queer the census is the next thing. And taking the LGTB fight or or rights in it to education, culture, and health, but not only take it, talking about HIV or or you know sexual diseases. So, can you just as a point of clarification before we move on to Alejandro, what do you mean by querying the census? Actually, count us because they don't in the Inegi the institute that does the census here in, oh, in okay. Mexico mm, okay. does not uh, count c- counts about religion, ethnicity, uh, other factors, uh, your your class, if you have ceiling in your house, you know, concrete or whatnot, but they don't ask you your sexual orientation or your identity. So that's uh, the problem when we, we need to get represented. They say, oh, they, they are, we know, we don't know how many you are. Maybe you are a minority, but if you really count it, we most, you know, I mean, half of the congressmen are gay in closet. No, that we know, but maybe I'm talking too much. <laughs> so you mean just having the sense, the census packets include questions about sexual orientation, gender identity, just to have to know the, the breadth of population that the queer population is to, therefore to, uh, just uh can't baby just to have that presence on 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 when it comes to the lawmakers to realize how big it is basically alejandro same question to you 
thinking like that. So what are we seeing from the U.S. or abroad that's making its way to Mexico, either positive or negative in terms of LGBTQ issues? I think there's both positive and negative. And to Meritzel's point, we had a recent good piece of news coming down from the U.S. that the U.S. Census will now add a question, not to its formal decennial census that they're going to do in 2030, <clears throat> but to a smaller census that do every year, where they will ask for the first time in its 200 and plus year history whether or not someone in that house will identify as LGBTQ, which opens up a lot of issues sometimes, even with like, people who aren't out to their families. Like there's been some debate around that, but still, as Medichan mentioned, it's it's a huge advancement because once we know how many we are, where we are, we can understand like where the resources are needed, right? I mean, it doesn't make sense to only focus on California, New York, you know, the big states of the US when actually it's probably the smaller states in middle America who need those extra funds, who need that extra support, because that's where it's more dangerous to come out and, and live openly as an LGBTQ person. And I mean, imagine if the U.S. is only now in 2023 deciding to do it, just imagine how backwards we are in Mexico in terms of that. It's unfortunate, yes, that we're not part of the of the census. It's unfortunate, too, that this is another institution that has been constantly attacked by the current administration, that they're trying to underfund because somehow these data oppose the... Uh, some the the alternative facts that are sometimes touted around by the current president. So it's 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 unfortunate, whatever way you want to look at it. And also another point that I think is good that we're seeing in the U.S. that I hope we can bring into Mexico is queer representation again in in all levels of government. You know, having a cabinet member in President Biden's administration who is openly gay, having you know members of Congress, um, you know senators, representatives who are proudly LGBTQ, having an LGBTQ caucus. In, in the U.S. that it's so formalized and institutionalized, it has people from both the Democratic and Republican Party in it. It's it's just head waves. And, you know, we, we sort of have that in Mexico. We've only just started having that in the Camara de Diputados, where we're starting to see, you know, openly LGBTQ people being elected and occupying those spaces very very solemnly, I will say, like we have diputadas like Salma Luevano, who's an uh, openly trans congresswoman, who has, you know, taken that responsibility with a lot of care, with giving a lot of priorities to the LGBTQ causes at a federal level. It's just one person in a sea of 400 or plus members, so it's sometimes hard. But the more and more openly queer people who are elected to to our positions of power, you know, the more we're going to see a, a progression towards being part of the mainstream conversation. And the not so good part that we're also seeing from the US towards Mexico is a rise in anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, a rise in anti-LGBTQ hate speech that isn't necessarily circumscribed to the US. This is a globalized affair that unfortunately um, is happening across the world, but especially in the US, it's ridiculous that you would think we've made such progress coming from the 20th century into the 21st century that we now have legislation protecting same-sex marriage federally. We now have these new laws that seem to seemed to have shown a bright light in, in terms of LGBTQ plus equality. And now, 2023, we're starting to see a regression on that, right? We're starting to see state legislatures, me members of Congress proposing the most ignorant bills, and it's particularly targeting trans folks, you know, trying to leave trans people out of um, athletic competitions, trying to out them, out trans students, to high school students, middle school students, to their parents, just doing 
the most bigoted pieces of legislation and actually passing them in, in, in states that have conservative majorities. And that is starting to trickle down in Mexico. We're starting to see, unfortunately, political figures, I think, across north and south of Mexico who are picking up on that rhetoric, who are picking up on that, you know, hate speeches and are trying to bring it in, into Mexico. But I, I hope our you know, LGBTQ community will be strong enough uh, to never let them back to power again. Port of Entry will be back after a short break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. You are listening to Port of Entry. Moving on to talking about representation, let's talk about Osil Baena, the magistrate who unfortunately, I, I mean, I don't know if the jury is still out with what happened with him. With, sorry, with they. For those who don't know, Osil Baena was the first openly non-binary magistrate who was murdered, killed, not quite sure. But uh, Alejandro, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that KPBS is a news outlet and we can't really make assumptions off the facts without having an official indictment from, from the courts. So we'll try to keep this as objective and not as activist as I can. But by all accounts, it seems that this was a presumed murder. Presumed, we're still not sure. That just evidence, evidence is how behind we are in terms of protecting our LGBTQ people in power, how behind we are in offering them, even like the most visible people, a dignified prosecution of crimes against them. We're seeing all sorts of comments from respected journalists across Mexico who are misgendering them, who are calling it a crime of passion because that same day Osiel and their partner were seen at an airport apparently with some sort of disagreement that they'd had. Therefore, Osiel must have been murdered by their partner. And because there were drugs in their systems, then we should assume that it was a crime of passion. This crime of passion um, the label has existed for so many years and has been used to justify not just hate crimes against LGBTQ people, but hate crimes against women, hate crimes against all sorts of vulnerable minorities perpetuated by men, just call it what it is by men, to to sort of say like, well, it was a passionate thing. So we, we kind of had to be lenient about it. Like, no, it was a murder. They literally murdered a person who had been at the forefront of the fight for LGBTQ equality. And, and what does that leave for the rest of us aspiring activists, the rest of, you know, a young non-binary person who might have seen an Ociel by an, a role model to look up to? Like, hey, if they did it, if they climbed the ranks of power, maybe I can be that someday. Maybe I can, you know, be the next magistrade, the next uh, ministre, the next you know, high-ranking people, not just in law enforcement or, or, or law interpretation, but in any field that they want. What what does this say to them? It says, you know, if you have the misfortune of being born into Mexico, then you better keep to yourself. You better not be out and proud. You better, you know, be silent because this is unfortunately the the destiny you're you might face in the future. Merichel, what's your take on this uh, unfortunate situation with the magistrade? And uh, just the long, what is the penal system, to your understanding? Is you, um, where, where does it stand? 
the criminal system, it, I think it's not even just for straight people. So when we're queer people, we cannot expect, you know, anything. Uh, even when I, as a lawyer, have cases of violence against women and, and the partner is a woman, we try to, we are, it's illegal to do it, but we try to mediate between the couples because we know that they, if they go to the to the local authorities, they will be discriminated and maybe one of them will be arrested or maybe even both of them, you know. So, so we actually, we cannot really hope just of justice uh, if a crime happens. Uh, I like to mention the, the hate crime of, of Janine Huerta that, you know, was an activist here in Tijuana and she was a trans woman that was murdered and she always denounced it, police brutality against sexual workers and was, you know, at, at every forum or conference she was denouncing it. So we can know that, okay, maybe they say, oh, maybe a client murdered her. We are sure there was a hate crime because was because of she what, what was she was saying, and magistrade Osiel Baena. What I think he represents this, you know, the fact that queer people can can be professionals, and and I read in social media that Jovencito said this. The they my parents send me pictures of Osiel Baena when they say maybe you can make it too. So I think I think this it was they they killed the icon that that could say to many people that it get, it can get better no it gets better no because in the even the it's get better gets better project you know it's doubtful when you are poor when you are or you're not white when you're not you know Catholic or whatnot of the privileged class basically it's just it, it cuts against you if you're not part of that privileged class. Wasps, yes. Port of Entry will be back after a short break. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. You are listening to Port of Entry. Okay, so... Moving on to the last question, we got about 10, less than 10 minutes. So what are the new frontiers for human rights? And I know this was very interesting to, to me, Marichel, when we were having the interviews. You mentioned how to rethink human rights for different populations that we might not yet have discovered, you know, have, might, have not, might not have encountered. And you say, what about thinking about intergalactic rights? So thinking of those different frontiers, what are your thoughts, if you can help us understand what are those uh, new challenges for those populations that we don't know of yet? Yes, Michel. Sorry. Okay. The the thought that I have is thinking about you know los derechos del futuro, the 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 law that we should have in the future. Thinking you know about Captain Picard and Next Generation <laughs> Star Trek. Because Star Trek, because he it it is a figure that is mostly democratic, include incluyente, no, it includes every every kind of species, not he not just humans, and actually, well, you know, alien life it, it in fact exists. 
So we have to start thinking about not just human rights, but maybe galactic rights. Uh, maybe we would encounter that, you know, plants are really more sentient than we, than we thought. So maybe we should start start thinking about not harming the trees. You know, this kind of a thought is what I think that we need because we are we are facing some retrocesos. You know, we're going back on human rights, thinking about Roe versus Wade in the United States and the right of to to abortion, and you know maybe thinking about Argentina with Millet, and and you know we are tending to you know to another third world war when humanitarian law it was supposed to fix everything and there was not supposed to be a war like you know happening in Russia or in in you know in Colombia against the people there the activists so yeah we need to think forward you know the rights that we have we have to defend them we have to have better mechanism and local governmental and social structures to protect them but also thinking always forward not not backwards because that that would be the end of you know the the humanism that we should i think we should live in you know thinking of each other as some somebody that you could help or should help alejandro anything you would like to add i'd never heard that theory that aliens should now be included in international law, intergalactic law. So I'm I'm very interested in hearing more about that. That is so cool. A hundred years from today, maybe we won't be around, but they will still be fighting for new rights. And there will still, unfortunately, still be oppression. There will still be the many things that we're trying to fight against in the today. But the only way we can ensure that what we're doing today transcends and, and you know, the the future us's can live in a world that's high, happier, more free, more just, more equal is through education. You know, what we're doing at the end of the day here, Merichel and I and, and all the activists in Baja California are that we're trying to educate the citizenry, everyone around us, that queerness is okay. We're trying to tell them that you you know queer people they are part of your community they're the person who delivers your mail they're the person who cooks your meal they're the person who you see at the dentist office we're all around you and and it's normal that we exist and we do not want you know to take over the world we do not want to queerify your children we simply want to exist and apologetically as ourselves so what we're doing here is we're trying to educate educate people in empathy and 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 just let them think like, hey, maybe 30 years from now, there's going to be a new fight for a different identity that doesn't have to be queer, that it could be a, a new, you know, category of, 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 of a personhood. So let's try and, and, and tackle those future issues with the same empathy, with the same love for humanity, with the same love for our, our I want to say brothers, our siblings that, that, you know, you've affected the queer people. And and once we see that happening, I will at least know like, hey, the work that we did mattered and it, and it had a tangible effect. Thank you. So let's just wrap it up. Conclusions. So just as a, just as a little, little, uh, let's say you say wrap up activity. That's, is there something that struck you from the stories that we did on each other? Alejandro, you mentioned something 
Marichel in the beginning. Marichel, is something that struck you from the story that we did on Alejandro, something that you didn't know that was really interesting? Marichel? Yes, the, the, I think what struck me is that we haven't been effective in letting know the next generation of activists on human rights, LGTB, women, indigenous, etc., of the history of the activists here in Baja California. And that's, and I always have, you know, shouted out that we need a museum of human rights here in Baja California. And I think that this is a really, this is really an issue that we don't have anybody, you know, making compilations about our history, about our where we come from, what we did, where we fight it, where we got arrested, where we got, you know, got out of a session at gunpoint because this happened, this happens in Tijuana. So I think it, it would be very interesting to to keep fighting for this. And I think it's very necessary so we can also acknowledge new activists and, you know, if they're part of their our history, you know, to meet, I, I, I should have met Alejandro before. And and I, I'm grateful for, for you letting, presenting him, you know, to me. Okay. So that's it. <laughs> Alejandro, anything that struck you yeah. from Marichel's story? Yes, thank you for your kind words, Marichel. I mean, as you mentioned, right, we do not have a codified history of queerness in Baja California. KBBS did a great job of doing this, this, these episodes and this series, but it's unfortunate that we don't have codified history just yet. Certainly when Medichel is diputada or alcaldesa or governor, she's going to allot enough budgets for those museums to be built, for those historical memories to be made, or maybe not Medichel, but someone in the LGBTQ community will do once they're elected. You know, it, we really can't be expecting straight allies who are amazing who have been you know instrumental in the fight to be you know doing this on our behalf but the one thing that struck me from Medichel's and nancy's story was the the your story in, in, in the hospital during COVID 19 when i was you know with my friend group in 2020 thinking about the importance of passing same-sex marriage during the pandemic a question that many activists, you know, from an older generation than me asked me was like, well, why do we need same-sex marriage right now? Like in May or June of 2020, like why specifically right now? Do you, you do realize we're going through a worldwide pandemic right now, right? So why is this like such a priority? And I always said, like, imagine if there was a same-sex couple who was at the IMS, who had been fading, facing these issues, who could only, you know, gain access to 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 the full coverage of the law if they were married from Baja California, what would they do? And it was always a very hypothetical, imagine if that were the case, but knowing that your that was your case and and you know that that it actually happened was like eye-opening to think that, you know, this the urgency that we put into this fight in 2020, in 2021 had a purpose. And it was so in future pandemics and future, you know, situations that we have of this nature same-sex couples won't be facing the same hurdles as, as as you and nancy did and and it's amazing that even as you said in your story that that the guard in the hospital who was hermana creo que dijiste, uh, comadre was the one who helped you out because like Damn, even, even in the most dire of circumstances, we can still find some queer love and some queer community, you know, to build us up. 
Good. Alejandro and Merichel, we are out of time. So why don't you just give us a quick plug, your socials, what do you, where you're at, or what's next for you in your life? Just a quick outro. Thank you. Merichel? Well, thank you for your time. Thank you for making me learn English with Sesame Street KPBS. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the entry, Natalia and Julio. It was very great meeting you. And, you know, you can count on me as an activist here locally. And I know that I can count on you so you can, you know, move our, our information through through the media. So you can find me at Instagram as Medichelling. You know, that's my, num my name, but A-I-N-G. And also on Facebook because I'm an old-timer, <laughs> Meritxell Calderón Vargas. And that's it. Alejandro. My shameless self-plug. Echoing what, what Marichel says, thank you, Julio. Thank you, Natalie, Adrian, Alan. You guys' work has been so amazing. And you have no idea how the amount of people that have come up to me that have messaged me like, hey, I heard your interview. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that happened. I can't, like, that is so amazing. Like, who would have thought that in 2021, people still had to be fighting for these rights? And these have been comments that I've gotten from friends here in the US, friends from abroad, friends from back in Baja California who have heard this, family members even who have been like, I never realized that it was, it was such a big fight and so many things were at stake. And this bringing such a big spotlight to this issue that we fought for it wouldn't have been possible without you guys and, and KPBS's commitment to diversity. So thank you for that. PSA over. You can find me. What's next for me? I am... Your, your socials. Don't forget your socials. My socials, yes. I am completing my first semester of grad school. I am very excited for it. I am pursuing a public policy degree and I do not know what... I will be doing right after this moment. I certainly know that I will return to Mexico one day and do the best I can to change my beloved country, my beloved Baja California. But until that day comes, people can find out what I'm doing on Instagram. It's Alejandro, S as in Sam, C as in Zebra, F as in Frank, S-C-F, or LinkedIn, Alejandro Sanchez Flores. Okay, good. Uh, Michelle Alejandro, the Baja California, and obviously all the activists that came before you, will come after you, owe you a great debt for your work, uh, your commitment to pushing the boundaries of human rights, and queer rights specifically. So the landscape has changed because of you. So I commend you, salute you. Thank you very much for, for letting us tell your story. And for an audience, thank you so much for joining us for this great story and interview and sharing these thoughts. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. This episode of Port of Entry was written and produced by Julio Cesar Ortiz. Adrián Villalobos is technical producer and sound designer. Alisa Barba is our editor. Lisa Morissette is director of audio programming and operations, and John Decker is senior director of content development. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. This project was also made possible with the support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit callhome.org. Soy Alan Lilienthal. Y yo soy Natalie González. Nos, Nos vemos, vemos pronto. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation. 
presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.